Sports Fanatics, we are Luca Vitalik, Ryan Walterman, and Ben Schmidt. Let us introduce you to a weekly favorite sports podcast on KCOU 88.1 FM. On Around the Wave, several guests and us provide you the most thorough Mizzou sports coverage. Also, NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL coverage where we debate. Healy's hero right here is Jordan Bennington, and he's kind of just been the story all year. But uh, in the last couple of games, besides the Coyotes game and the Avalanche game, He's, he's looked like his 2019 form, I would say. First of all, you are misinforming the American public. That's number one. Number two, everything you just said is absolutely blasphemous. Okay? Everything you just said. Jordan Bennington's looking like his old self. Provide legendary list. Number five on my list, the Los Angeles Chargers. Why? They snatched its long-term solution on the O-line, and Rashawn Slater, he's offering, he's going to offer reliable protection for Justin Herbert, which we saw he was a star last season. And give bold predictions. If I'm being honest, even with all the new talent that the New York Giants added on offense, I still think they fail with Daniel Jones at the helm, and he's reduced nothing more than a backup within the next few years. So join us every Friday morning at 10 o'clock Central Time on KCOU 88.1 FM. We hope to see you there. And a good morning, everyone, and happy Friday, and welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. I'm your host, Luca Vitalian. Alongside me are my co-hosts, Ryan Walterman and Ben Schmidt. How are we doing this morning, fellas? Doing fantastic. I can't wait for a fantastic weekend of football, and I'm ready to get going and preview some of the biggest games this weekend. Ditto on that, Ben. I'm very excited for this weekend as well. Well, good to know because first things first, we're going to roll into some news on Mizzou sports. Mizzou football will return to the road this weekend as they are going to host or they're going to travel to Boston College. Which, y'all, this is an interesting one because they're entering with a 2-1 run record after putting up 59 points on the scoreboard last weekend against the Southeast Missouri State Redhawks, or just in short-term SEMO, while the Boston College Eagles have yet to add a tally to that loss column with a victory against Temple last weekend, 28-3. Mizzou soccer continued its losing streak, falling to the Alabama Crimson Tide in a nail-biter last night, 2-1. The Tigers will drop below 500 and hope to reverse that trend when they host the Tennessee Volunteers on Sunday at 3 o'clock Central Time. And they also hope to receive some good news uh, regarding goalie Sophia Worth after leaving last night's action due to an injury. So let's start with some Mizzou football as tomorrow's matchup between the Boston College Eagles and the Missouri Tigers marked the first time these two historic programs have squared off. It will also serve as Boston College's first game against an SEC opponent in 13 years. The last time they versed one was a loss to Vanderbilt in 2008, the Music City Bowl, in the, in the Eagles' first time hosting an SEC foe since taking down then the number 13 Tennessee Volunteers in 1987. So, uh, Ben, I'll start with you here. What do you have for tomorrow's game at 11 a.m.? 
All right, so I got three keys to the game for this one if we want Mizzou to come out of there with a victory. First off, stop the run. In all three games this year, Mizzou has been gashed on the ground throughout the game, and that's going to be big here tomorrow. Uh, Boston College running back Pat Garwa the third. He's got 237 yards on the year, 6.6 a carry. So if he continues to do that tomorrow, they will they will uh, control the clock, control the football, and that's not the way Mizzou is going to win this football game. Mizzou cannot afford to get in a low-scoring defensive battle. They need to control the clock, score on offense. So number one, stop the run. Don't let Boston clock. Boston College control the clock. Number two, let Tyler Beatty continue his dominance. Coming into last weekend, he was leading the nation in scrimmage yards per game. He dropped the six after last week, but he also didn't play the entire second half. So Tyler Beatty is Mizzou's leading rusher and receiver. Get him the football as often as possible. He was dominant last week in the first half, and I feel another big game coming on for him. Probably playing all 60 minutes. I can't see another way where Mizzou is blowing them out at halftime and sits the starters again. So get Tyler Bailey, Tyler Beatty the football. He's got 164 scrimmage yards a game. Let's hit that number, and Mizzou's got a good shot to win. And number three, play turnover-free football. Bayslake's only thrown one pick on the year. Can't give Boston College chances in short field. So keep it safe. Dump it down if you need to. Connor Bayslake. Don't 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 force anything, and that's why Boston College is allowing ten points a game on defense this year. Mizzou's gonna have to score much more than that. Okay, well I agree with you on a lot of those keys. First things first, I'm not gonna read too much into uh, uh, Mizzou giving up thirty plus points to, or I think it was twenty eight last 28, week. Twenty eight. Thank you to Simo. I'm not gonna read too much into that because there are we, third stringers in the second half. We shouldn't. Well, yeah. we. I mean, I'm not gonna read too much into that. But the thing is, I will read into the Kentucky game because that was bad. But first things first, um, when it comes to the Tigers' offense, we have got to be looking at the Mizzou passing offense. Connor Bazelak has been a showstopper. He has been box office. He has thrown a uh, throw for nine touchdowns already compared to one interception, which he threw against Kentucky, and he has completed 67% of his passes. So he has definitely been playing very well. He has been able to distribute the ball around in the early going. At least nine Tiger receivers, guys, have caught a pass in each of the first three games. You got running uh, running back Tyler Beatty. He is he is uh, t- ten receptions for 88 yards. That is the most a Tiger has received in the passing game. So obviously he's done a great job of distributing the ball. You got Tusky Dub, you got Kiki Chisholm, you got Parker, you got Dominic Lovett, and all those boys. They they know what they're doing on the football field, but. Tyler Beatty has made his presence. It's just quite noticeable on the ground. He stands atop right now in the SEC in sixth in the FBS with 164 purpose yards per game. Okay? This is insane. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Despite them keeping... Uh, in, in terms of accumulating all-purpose yards, they have averaged about over, uh, I believe it's 400 or 257, excuse me. Um, but when we hear about Boston College, I understand that their starting, run, their starting quarterback is out for the remainder of the season. I understand that they, he suffered against that U of uh, Massachusetts. I get that. And that obviously... Uh, Dennis Grossell, he only completed five of his 13 passes against uh, Temple for a meniscal of 34 yards. So I'm not going to read too much into that with the touchdown and interception. However, I will read something into this. The Boston College offense has something in common with Kentucky now. It's called a balanced game plan in terms of passing the football and running the football. 
That is an issue when it is coming towards the Mizzou Tigers, who I think Boston College will be running more at the football tomorrow because the Missouri Tigers have allowed 332 and 294 yards on the ground in their last two games against Kentucky and SEMO, respectively. Even keeping Central Michigan to 174 yards rushing in this season opener, okay? The 267.3 yards rushing per game that Missouri has allowed is by far the worst in the SEC in terms of against the run besides Vanderbilt. And it is the fifth worst in the FBS. So, in terms of looking at that, and in terms of looking Boston College, in terms of their defense, they are the second best in the nation in allowing points on defense. 10.3 allowed. So when I look at that, and I combine that with Missouri's defense, and I also combine it with the fact that Missouri's offense in terms of the passing game, that is very effective. The last time I checked, defense is usually going to come up strong. And I think Missouri, they will be facing a hard task tomorrow at 11 a.m. You're exactly right. This game is going to be big in the running game. And it's honestly just going to come down to which running back is going to have the better game. Is it going to be Beatty, who has been a spark for the Mizzou Tigers lately? Some would say even better than Larry Roundtree at the start of this year so far. Obviously, he stepped into that number one role, and he has done nothing but accomplish every single thing that he needs to do. And then you have Pat Garlow III for Boston College, who's also just been running very well for the Eagles. Obviously, 237 yards to Beatty's 345 yards. I think it's just going to be which running back's going to have the better game because, like you said, it's going to be high on the running game. Here's something, though. Uh, the Boston College Eagles boost one of the best defensive uh, with only 10.3 points allowed per game. Obviously, that should change with Mizzou being a better team than half the t- than the, all the other three teams that Boston College has faced thus far. Okay. But yeah, I like I like the thing you said about the quarterbacks. Obviously, Phil Jerkovich is going to be out for the season, injuring his wrist. So they're going to move to the Dennis Grassell, which is this is going to be a second game where he's going to play the whole game, uh, the first two games of the season until Phil got injured. They were switching off um, hikes and sets, but now it's obviously going to be Dennis's team. I think this is going to come down to the wire at the end, but I think it's going to be a really good game. It's just going to be, you know, what team's going to come up big on the defensive side? Are we going to see the Mizzou defense in the first half of the Kentucky game, or are we going to see the Mizzou defense in the second half of the Kentucky game? Well, first well, first things first, let me just correct myself what I said, because I just realized I said this wrong. When I said Mizzou's offense accumul- are averaging 257 yards a game, I meant in terms of passing yards. They average about 500 total yards per game, so I apologize for that. And also in terms of their offense, they average about 10 or more red zone trips and either a touchdown and a field goal to all of them, which is, I believe, one of the best in the SEC. So when we look at that, and I'm going to be looking at Boston College's defense all morning tomorrow and all throughout the day because that is no joke. And in fact, next week when they play Clemson, we're going to be seeing how real Boston College is because the last time they went 4-0, it's been a hot minute. So what I'm going to say for score predictions, the Missouri Tigers will be falling tomorrow in Massachusetts. Okay, They are not going to win this game. Um, I believe it's going to be a close game. I just believe that in terms of running the football, it is going to go in favor of Boston Colleges because Missouri, it has been a nightmare watching them defend the run. So I'm going to say Boston College will win this one 31-23. 
I'm excited about the game tomorrow, and I don't care what ESPN says. I don't care what all the students at Boston College say. I think Mizzou's going to win this game 35-20. to 20. I think Connor Badlight's going to have a really great game. Ennis Rakestraw coming back from his injury. He's mm-hmm. going to be good on defense. I'm gonna, I expect him to get at least one interception tomorrow. Mookie Cooper, he seems to be getting a lot better. I think he'll be fine. Kiki Chisholm, I think Basilek, if he can't get the running game going, which you know it's going to be going because Tyler Beatty's just a beast. But I think the defense is going to wake up tomorrow morning. They're going to know that this is a tough game and I think Mizzou's going to be there. They're going to show why they can win this game. I, I, I honestly think Mizzou is going to win this game and move into 3-1 and one on the season. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I believe Mizzou has their best defensive performance of the season so far. I know the bar is in the absolute basement, but they have their best defensive game of the season. Tyler Beatty rushes for easily over 100 yards. I'm saying he gets close to that number in the first half. Mizzou wins this one 35-21. Wow. Okay. Well, the I'm fir- confident. I'm I just confident. I just want to acknowledge to both of you that I have gotten each game right so far. That so is true. I, I will I will be watching this game closely. I'll be watching the defense, and if I am right, you'll be getting a text shortly after the game. I'm putting uh, our scores on Twitter right now, so everyone go, can see. Go go yep. ahead. Yep. All right. Uh, we're gonna head to break, and when we get back from break, NFL coverage will be coming up next on Around the Waves. Today's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Oh, nuts! There's a bobcat in this cave! Save us, sassy! (coughs) You will, but first you'd like to stress the importance of cat adoption? (coughs) Over five million cats go into animal shelters every year and they need to be adopted? (coughs) Help us, sassy! (coughs) Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. Hello, we're Los Lobos for Red. It's okay to rock and roll and party. Just let someone else do the driving. Remember, designate. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia, the student voice of your Missouri Tigers. And we're going to get to some NFL coverage. The AFC West has presented the football world with a surprise as the Kansas City Chiefs aren't running away with the division yet this year as they are third with a 1-1 one one record. Both the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos enter this weekend's action with a 2-0 record, exceeding expectations that were set forth from football analysis in the offseason. Both squads missed the postseason during the 2020 season campaign. One could argue that the Raiders have had the most exciting offense thus far with Derek Carr looking like a legitimate MVP candidate, while the Broncos' offense has looked better with Teddy Bridgewater under the helm, and the defense continues to fly under the radar, as someone else could argue. All right, Ryan, I'll start with you here. Which 2-0 team is a bigger threat to the Chiefs in the AFC West? Is it the Raiders or the Broncos? Both teams, without a doubt, really good this year. Obviously, both Teddy Bridgewater coming out from the scene and having a 592 yards or passing yards already is outrageous. Who would have guessed that he'd be good in Denver? That's what oh, I was saying. Exactly. Uh, and then, obviously, you have Derek Carr doing his thing over there in Las Vegas. 817 yards. But when I think about what team's going to be better, to me, it just kind of comes down to the rushing yards because you know that both of these quarterbacks are going to be having good games, especially when they face the Chiefs. I want to give the more... 
I want to give the upside to the Raiders because they have a quarterback who's more is you know he's he's a lot better than Teddy Bridgewater. But this year, I think it just might be different. Teddy Teddy B just seems to be a different animal. And then obviously with the rushing yards, Melvin Gordon the third has 132 to Josh Jacobs 34. And I could be wrong about this, but is Josh Jacobs injured? I have no clue. He didn't he even play in the last year. That's yeah. what I thought. He's, so, he's got a nagging injury. Okay, that's what I thought, too. Wasn't it Peyton Barber that was replacing him? And Kenyon Drake. Okay, yes. thank you. Yeah, so I want I want to give the advantage to the Denver Broncos here just because I think that Teddy B, you know, he's a different animal, obviously different scenery out there in Denver. Like Ben said, who thought that he would be good? He seems to get that running game working with Melvin Gordon the third, and then you got Cortland Sutton, who has 173 receiving yards. And obviously, I think Denver's doing a great job on the defense side of things this year. And I just, I think that Denver would be the better team. I think this is more of like in the past too, when the Chiefs and, De- and the Broncos always fought it out. But I honestly think that this year, both of these teams can come up close to the Chiefs, but I just think the Broncos can beat them. All right. Hold on a second. Which one are you talking? I mean, you just confused me. You start with the Raiders, and then you go to the Broncos. Right. He's high on both teams, but he's taking Denver. Okay, thank you. Okay, you guys know I'm high on Denver. I've been high on Denver. But what I love about the Raiders is their defense has surprised me. If you look at just the point totals, it's not fantastic. But if you if you dive deeper to set, Max Crosby has been really good on that defensive line that I didn't see coming. If you watched him chase down Lamar Jackson, He's special. That dude is super athletic. So that's that's something that I did not see coming. It's something that I really love and gives me hope about the Raiders contending with the Chiefs. The Raiders actually mm-hmm. beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead last year. Mm-hmm. Different circumstances, not as many fans. Exactly. But Derek Carr has been fantastic this year. 817 <laughs> yards in two games. That bomb to Henry Ruggs to seal it in Pittsburgh last week was fantastic. Darren Waller, I need to talk about too. Darren Waller could put himself in the conversation for Offensive Player of the Year because he has just been unguardable for two weeks. So the Raiders' offense, which in my in my words is just weirdly good, has has the potential to keep up with that Kansas City offense mm-hmm. and the surprisingly better Raiders' defense, which I thought was going to suck once again. I know it's been two games, but I I just as much as I like Denver, I like Kansas City's chances, or I like. I like uh, the Raiders' chances to win in a shootout with Kansas City, mm-hmm. just because that offense, like I said, is weirdly good. So I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the Raiders, but I can see both teams. Like Ryan said, I think I have good rosters. Well, absolutely, we can all agree on that. And second of all, um, Darren Waller being Offensive Player of the Year, you can absolutely argue that for right now, and you can also argue the fact that he is the third best tight end in football. So we can also argue that too. And we can, and I understand that the Raiders' defense right now. It's a better defense than it was projected. You have playmakers like you mentioned to Max Crosby. You got KJ Wright. You got Cameron Hayward. You got Denzel Perrymore and others that are just that are just contributing to this defense. They are better than anticipated. We also cannot ignore the fact that they went up against Baltimore in Week One. They stunned them at home, and then they go on the road to Pittsburgh last week and stunned them on the road. Which Pittsburgh's defense is no joke, but we cannot ignore the fact. That Teddy Bridgewater is balling out right now. I was wrong in the preseason. Teddy Bridgewater has been very good. I understand they have not played the two the best teams in the National Football League, but we cannot ignore how they've been playing right now. He 
also doesn't look like Drew Locke under the helm. So let's also acknowledge the fact that Teddy Bridgewater still can ball. He did not look like that in Carolina, but but damn, he could still play. Okay, he is just a player with high intellect. Okay, he is just making smart decisions with the football. But he was compromised with his mobility for a bit, which we saw last year in Carolina, and we saw that a little bit in New Orleans. Now we see him utilizing that mobility he has. His mobility is almost now working with the mental aspect of things, and he's moving the chains with his legs when the pocket collapses, which we we can talk about how the Broncos' offensive line has improved as well. He is pushing down the football down the field, which I don't think I've really seen no, much. No, not at all. I have. I didn't see that in Carolina. But now he is pushing down the football, and I'm going to give credit where credit's due to Vic, head coach Vic Fangio, even though he's responsible for the defense. But he is no scrub, okay? And he's keeping defenses on their toes because he is keeping them alert, saying, hey, I'm going to throw it down the field, and you better be ready in that secondary, okay? He is utilizing those pieces available to him at his disposal. Obviously, no offense. He is fantastic so far. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to get into Cortland Sutton because how great he is. Hamler, you got Tim Patrick. These are playmakers doing their thing without Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's still out. I don't know when he's coming back, but he is hurt, and he he's a little injury prone, but that's a discussion for another day. But you have a running game right now in Javante Williams, and you got Melvin Gordon the third in as your backup, and that defense is elite. It is yes. still elite. Yep. You got a defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio, no stranger to Chicago. You got two cornerbacks in Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller, which are no strangers to Chicago, either two of the best cornerbacks that, that Chicago's ever seen, which Chicago stupidly did not pay Kyle Fuller. Well, that's another story. But you have a defensive wizard who has done such a phenomenal job in Denver, and he has been responsible for those defenses in the last couple of years, and he was responsible for the defenses of Chicago, there was a huge part that he played in Chicago where he transitioned to Denver and Chuck Pagano took over, and there was a huge realization that Vic Fangio should have never left, but he left for Denver. The reason Denver has been so horrible and so god-awful is because Drew Locke was not a good quarterback. It took that long to figure that out, but... That's neither here or there. They got Teddy Bridgewater now. He has looked fantastic. And are we going to ignore the fact of Patrick Sertan? He has looked oh, yeah. phenomenal. He is. He was clearly the, the right pick for the Denver Broncos. He is just creating havoc within that offense, the opposing offenses. He is using that physicality. He can play man. He can play zone. This dude can do anything. But what I have with the concern as of right now, yes, they have not played the best teams, but they are utilizing everything they have. But the problem is, what if they are not ahead in games? Can Teddy Bridgewater bring back a comeback against teams like the Chiefs? I'm not going to get to the Chargers yet because I still got to see more with them. But I'm just saying as of right now, if the Chiefs were to play this team right now, the Chiefs' defense is god-awful, okay? Their offense is good, but I believe when you have playmakers on the defense like Kareem Jackson, when you have Von Miller, you have Bradley Chubb just creating havoc, and when you have something like that and people in your secondary minimizing the amount of space you have on offense, I honestly think that the Denver Broncos can be creating noise this year. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, this this Denver defense will be the best Denver defense that Mahomes has faced since he's been a member of the Chiefs. Most most years when he's played them, Denver's had good defense, but they've often been missing pieces. Von Miller missed all of last year. He's already back and got three sacks in two games. So this will be the best Denver defense Mahomes has faced. And I have enough com- – Teddy Bridgewater, if you remember – led the Carolina Panthers on a comeback into a narrow loss in Arrowhead last year. Okay. I know it's different circumstances, but I this is arguably the best set of weapons that Teddy has had throughout his career. Maybe New Orleans when they were all healthy and he was playing there. But either way, I've got confidence. They're probably going to – they should start 3-0. They play the Jets this weekend. But I, I, I think once this team gets on a roll – that secondary, Kyle Fuller is going to be one of the most underrated signings of the whole offseason. I'm so mad it's, about it's that. It's insane that they got him. As, as soon as he got cut from Chicago, me and all my friends were like, Denver, 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 Vic Fangio, he's yep. got to go there. Yep. That cornerback room you mentioned with Sertan as well in Callahan, oh, that, that it is sick. phenomenal. It is awesome. Yeah. But I, before we go to the next topic, I'm going to give it back to you. Um, I just want to give – you mentioned Carolina. I'm going to give Carolina some props here. Matt Rule knows how he can coach. He This man can coach. And Sam Darnold actually doesn't look terrible because he's not with Adam Gase. Go on, Ryan. Oh, yeah, so I just wanted to give a timeable for Jerry Judy. Four to six weeks. Oh, thank um, you. And it seems like a game that he could potentially be coming back for, Raiders at Broncos. Oh, well, well, well. Well, we'll see when that happens because I'm curious if we happen to revisit this topic, who's better at the time. The reason I'm I'm a little sketchy about the Raiders is because we have seen this before. Right. That's the oh, yeah. problem. But maybe this year's the year. I don't know. John Gruden has done a great job. Nevertheless, we're going to move on to Chicago, which you mentioned not too long ago about Kyle Fuller leaving Chicago because they were stupid. But um, the Chicago Bears rookie quarterback Justin Fields will make his first career start Sunday as Andy Dalton is expected to be out with a left knee injury that he suffered last Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals, which was confirmed earlier this week. Coach Matt Nagy reiterated on Wednesday that Dalton would be the Bears starter once he is healthy enough to play. Ben, I'll start with you here. If Andy Dalton is healthy, should he be starting over Justin Fields? I'm going to say no on that one. For Matt Nagy's perspective, he kind of has to say that in the media. He's backed up Andy Dalton all offseason and through the start of the season. And it really it sucks that if if this is where Justin Fields takes over starter and, and runs with it, it sucks that it had to happen with an injury. But either way, Nagy kind of has to say that. He can't kind of switch up, though, especially after uh, how, how some of the media is on that Justin Fields first game. But either way, I'm going with Fields. And he had a much better game if you look deeper into the stats. I know you want to get into that a little bit, so I won't touch on it a ton. But we, I, I can bring up the drop down. Robinson touchdown pass. Justin Fields. Andy Dalton doesn't escape that third down sack and run for the first down to ice the game. Uh, as, as much as I like Andy Dalton, he's not as mobile as Justin Fields. Justin Fields is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league now. Now, now that he's starting, which I love, uh, that, that will bring mobility to a Bears offense that doesn't have great offensive line protection. And I... I, he made a rookie mistake with the interception last week against Cincinnati. He didn't see the linebacker. But things like that will only change with time. I expect Fields to have a good game on Sunday. I think, though, for a couple touchdowns, he'll probably throw another interception. But I think he'll keep Chicago in it this weekend. So I'm going to say, yes, Justin Fields should be the starter. Yeah, obviously we'll get into that week one start when we get to preview uh, games. But um, what I want to mention here is Matt Nagy did not have to say that. That's number one. Um you, we need to understand something that I understand that he promised Andy Dalton the starting position, but uh, the starting quarterback position. But at the time, the draft does not happen yet. Okay, Andy, it was Andy Dalton. 
in Nick Foles in that quarterback room. Obviously, Andy Dalton's the better quarterback, regardless that he doesn't have a Super Bowl championship. That's fine. But however, you drafted Justin Fields, Andy Dalton goes down with an injury. If Justin Fields is going to be starting on Sunday, which he is, you can't go back unless he is so god-awful that you have to put Andy Dalton back in. You cannot be turning back. It is over, okay? I, I honestly appreciated Andy Dalton. He actually wasn't terrible, okay? The time that he played, he completed about 74% of his passes and threw for 252 yards, okay? That is nothing bad, as a matter of fact. He was able to get the ball down the field. He was able to find receivers, but that offense was a little bit generic. It was stagnant after the first drive. Nagy can script a first drive with the best of them, but it got stagnant. Exactly. The thing about Justin Fields, though, is that he was averaging 9.5 yards a throw. The thing is he is pushing down the ball down the field. He is keeping secondaries on their toes because week one, Jalen Ramsey looked like he had a night off because that's how bad it was. But the thing about Justin Fields... This is somebody that can make the offense three-dimensional because he has the mobility to do so. We saw what he did in Ohio State. We saw that when the pocket collapses that he will be utilizing his mobility to move the chains. And we saw that last weekend against Cincinnati when it was 39, and if the Bears got a first down, the game would be over. Sure enough, the pocket collapsed. He ran towards the first down marker. He got the first down. The game was over. Obviously, you're going to have your rookie mistakes. He's a rookie. So let's not get ridiculous here how people think he's already sees things, okay? So let's get out that out of the way. The thing about Justin Fields, Ben mentioned it. That pass to Allen Robinson in the left, end, the, left, the left bottom end of the end zone. That was a dime. That was a dime. That was perfectly thrown, perfect height. It passed the defender, and Allen Robinson completely dropped that pass. Very unusual to be hearing about that, but it is true. That was a touchdown pass right there, and it should have put the Bears on the scoreboard for seven. It did not, and there was another great pass to Darnell Mooney, which had a little timing issue, and there was another good pass to Cole Komet, but it was called back because offensive pass interference. So that was another dime that was thrown. The thing about Justin Fields is we look at the stat sheet, it doesn't reflect how he played. Yes, we can be looking at his rushing stats. Yes, he dropped the ball and he fumbled it, but he recovered it. This is about rookie mistakes. He's going to be learning. He has high intellect. This is nothing new. But when he has the whole field to himself from day one, he has Cole Komet, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. You got speedsters like in Marquise Goodwin. You got Demir Bird. You got one of the best running backs in football in David Montgomery when the offensive line decides to actually play better. And you got that defense, which came back last weekend. And you saw back-to-back-to-back interceptions that Joe Burrow threw. And, man, Jalen Johnson, it was good. It was looking very good in that cornerback position. And, man, if only Kendall Vildor, if the other cornerback, I believe, forgot his name because Duke Shelley, if he can only improve that good, oh, man, this is going to get really good. But, honestly, takeaways is going to be insane. David, uh, Danny Trevathan is still out. Eddie Goldman is still out. But I'll get back into that later on. But Justin Fields should be starting because he's just a better choice to make this team win games. Let me say real quick, too. I think there's there's very much something to be said with being the starter in practice for a full week of reps. Obviously, Justin Fields will never say that. But 
I, him at practice this week, being able to go with the ones all week long and work through stuff like that in practice, I think will make him look much more confident, much more in sync. And th- there were a couple times where I, it seemed like there was a little bit of miscommunication in, in the game against Cincinnati. I don't expect that to happen. I, I also expect Al Robinson to have a really big game in connection with Justin Fields. All right. Brian? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm a big believer in that if it's not broke, don't fix it. I'm sorry, Andy Dalton, when you come back, I'm sure you'll be healthy, super healthy. But I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be broke. Justin Fields is what the Bears needed. Great job from the front office to trade up and get him in the draft. And obviously, an even better job of Matt Nagy. He's surprising Bears fans, letting him come in in the season opener against the Rams. Two for two in that game, by the way, and obviously a rushing touchdown as well. And then against Cincinnati, we all know what he did. Obviously, the defense is the reason that the Bears won that game. Absolutely. But the fact that he gets out of that sack at the end of the game and runs into that first down, that's good. I want to talk about a, little about a little bit about the game, though. They faced the Browns, which is kind of a rude awakening as a starter for Justin Fields to face a team like that. But the Browns have yet to face another. They have to face another mobile quarterback, which is going to be tough for them. Obviously, they had to face... Patrick Mahomes in their season opener. They lost 33-29. to I think Justin Fields is going to have a great game against the Browns, too. I really do. Obviously, Bears fans like you, Luca, should be very excited. He, he's getting the start. And I think, like I said, if it's not going to be broke. I'm sorry. The Bears should not fix it. Yeah. All right. When we head back from break, uh, we're going to get to a Luca's legendary list. The best five NFL teams heading into week three will be back with you on KCOU 88.1 FM. Hey, Mizzou fans, did you know that Mizzou has the best fans in America? Well, it's true. We treat other teams as players and fans with respect. We carry ourselves with class and dignity. We cheer loudly for Mizzou, and we take pride in our choices. This public service announcement has been brought to you by the Wellness Resource Center, Craft Beer Cellar, and KCOU 88.1 FM. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, man. I don't sleep. And I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, you know what time it is. It is time for one of our favorite parts of the show. It's Luca's Legendary List time, folks. That's right. And obviously, one of the best things about Luca's Legendary List is there's always some type of change in Luca's Legendary List. So, Luca, has there been shifting from week two, which was number five, the Arizona Cardinals, number four, New Orleans Saints, number three, the Los Angeles Rams, number two, the Kansas City Chiefs, and number one, the Tom Brady and the big, bad Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, you know there's been shifting in there's even new teams in there was a team that dropped out of the list but you know the list is fluid it is it's always mixing up you always got to mix it up because week after week something is gonna happen so let's head into these top five teams heading into week three even though it started last night give me number five please the arizona cardinals why they are two and oh and handing their business on a given sunday night this far Kyler murray is just a showstopper he is lethal he is box office he's completing 74 percent of his passes he has thrown for nearly 700 yards already we know he has deandre hopkins christian kirk and aj green and the crew at his disposal with chase edmonds in the backfield 
backfield, his ability to fling the football with accuracy and utilize that mobility to gain extra yardage and make the offense three-dimensional, putting points on that scoreboard. You have Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt creating havoc, rushing off the edge. You got Isaiah Simmons and Buda, and Buda Baker doing their thing with the defense. Let's go to number four, please. Give it to me. Give it to me. The Las Vegas Raiders. Why did you see how they handled their business going to a hostile environment in Pittsburgh? Did you see how they dropped 26 points on one of the best defenses in the NFL and 33 against the Ravens in week one? Derek Carr is showing the football world. He is a prolific quarterback, a legitimate MVP candidate thus far. He's throwing the football accurately to his receivers on the perimeter. You have an elite receiver, wide receiver, and Henry Ruggs the third with his speed and ability to catch the football and extend those plays. You got Darren Waller, maybe the third best tight end in football, and Henry Renfro showing he can play. Their defense has looked exceptionally well, like we talked about Max Crosby, KJ Wright, and Cameron Hayward and those boys. Let's go to number three, please give it to me. The Kansas City Chiefs, why? Yes, they dropped because they blew a 13-point lead to the Baltimore Ravens. Patrick Mahomes is just putting on a show, throwing multiple touchdowns a game, being able to extend those plays that utilize that mobility. you got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Moko Harmon, Demarcus Robinson, even Pringle. They're even making plays even when it doesn't look possible. This offense is so potent. Andy Reid, one of the best coaches in the league, no doubt about it. That half-million-dollar man could do anything, but he lost last weekend, so he will drop. They're back-to-back reigning AFC champions, so I'm not so worried about their Chiefs, but their defense is suspect. Let's go to number two, please. The L.A. Rams. Matthew Stafford is just an upgrade from Jared Goff. No surprise there. He's got the offense clicking with the defense doing their thing. Matthew Stafford is just slicing and dicing and keeping the opposing defenders like it is no big deal. He's utilizing his playmakers and Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Robert Woods, and those dudes. They're doing their thing. His ability to throw that football with accuracy and velocity and making good decisions with the football. It does not surprise me. He was held hostage in Detroit, and he's the real deal that he is elite, and he is capable of winning the NFC West, the MVP, and the Super Bowl. That defense is still elite, despite no Brandon Staley any longer. you got Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Jordan Fuller, Justin Hollins, and don't forget about Darius Williams. In number one, who else would it be besides TB12 and the reigning defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They are just firing on all cylinders. They basically had a bye week last weekend against the Atlanta Falcons where they dropped 48 on them with Tom Brady throwing for five touchdowns despite being 44 years of age. He's thrown for nine touchdowns in the first two games. Possibly the best receiving core in football. And Chris Godwin, you got Mike Evans, you got Rep Gronkowski, you got Antonio Brown, you got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in the backfield. Week one, it was Antonio Brown and Gron. Last week, it was Mike Evans and Chris Godwin accumulating this yards. And who knows what it's going to be this week because it's up to Tom Brady. Floor is yours. I love the fact that you put the Raiders in there because they have two really good wins going into Pittsburgh, especially a team that historically succeeds in their home openers and getting a win there is, is fantastic for them in their season, especially to their, they're not often a team that succeeds in the East coast noon games. We've seen historically they've, they, they lost the jets two years ago. They lost in Atlanta last year. They do not play well on the East coast, but they did this past week. So I love the Raiders in that list. And number one, how can it be anyone? Like how can it be anyone but TB 12? Like you mentioned, that team does, does not look destined to slow down anytime soon. The only team, I don't know who I would take out, uh, even though they're 1-1, one one, I'm, I'm getting kind of high on the Bills. 
I, I, I liked what I saw, and I like that they're starting to become a more balanced offense. I know it's been only two games, but they at least look like they're trying to make an attempt to run the ball. Devin Singletary is averaging over six yards a carry so far, and he had a nice game in Miami against a decent Miami defense. So I, I, I don't necessarily know who I take out. Cardinals look amazing. I like the Raiders in there, and then the top three I think is is probably undebatable at this point. So, But uh, it's overall I, I think a really good list, and I, I don't have any – any gripes with it? I, I, obviously, I'm sad that Arizona won the way they did against my Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna try and move on and look look forward to a difficult matchup between Seattle on Sunday. Yeah, Ben, move on. It's a long season. I would don't don't worry about a missed field goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so one thing about every team, obviously the Cardinals are the fifth place team. Obviously, Kyler Murphy, he looks so good. Chase Edmonds, one guy I'm very, I'm really excited to watch this year, this this weekend is mainly because in fantasy, Jarvis Landry went down. I picked up Rondell Moore, who has looked really yeah. good for the Cardinals. So I'm happy for him, excited to see them play. Yeah, Kyler Murray's just been a different type of beast this year. Uh, for Las Vegas Raiders, we already talked about them earlier, but obviously, Darren Waller having an outrageous season. Who thought that he was going to go off? and do this early on in the season. 2-0 team, Derek Carr, he's throwing that ball. Hopefully this team can stay good and stay healthy throughout the whole season because this team could be dangerous. The Chiefs moving to three, man, I love that. Oh, man, you hate to see it as Lamar Lamar Jackson is able to rush and get that first down to win on the game. Mm -hmm. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, of all people, drops that ball on the fumble, but Mm -hmm. the Chiefs still look mighty good. Obviously, you got Patrick Mahomes. He's the captain of that team. Come on. Yeah, no, I don't think everyone's worried. Deserving of the list for sure. Then you got the Rams, and obviously, what, what else to say here except Matthew Stafford, different scenery, better team. Matthew Stafford's been going off. Daryl Henderson rushing for 123 yards on the season so far. And then obviously you have Cooper Cup, and we don't want to forget that defense. That defense is outrageously good, obviously. You have so many good players on the Rams, and they are very deserving of this. And then obviously, number one, Buccaneers. It stayed the same. Buccaneers were there last year. Tom Brady, obviously so good. Leonard Fortnette, so good. Chris Godwin, so good. Rob Gontowski looking really good this year as well. Antonio Brown, the one thing that I love about this team is if one of these receivers is having an off night, the other one's going to pick them up. The Buccaneers shine day in and day out and obviously should be have no reason to be moving on 3-0 and and staying at number one in this list for next week. Man, that was an A-list. I got to admit, that was an A-list, not a C-list, an A-list. So let's go on to previewing week three of the NFL season, which kicked off last night between... The Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans have got to give some love to Carolina. Their defense has been showstoppers, number one against the rush, number one against the pass, number one overall thus far. In the Week 2 NFL games, we have experienced shock. In the Kansas City Chiefs, they blew a 13-point lead, like I mentioned, to the Baltimore Ravens in the fourth quarter, which is why they dropped in my list. For their first loss of the season, while the Las Vegas Raiders continue to prove the doubters wrong after beating the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field to improve their record to 2-0, That's why, y'all, this is why it's always hard to be picking the winners on a given weekend because did anyone think that the Raiders were going to beat Pittsburgh last weekend? Because I personally did. did. I predicted it. You did? did. Okay. I didn't think the Chiefs were going to lose, but that's just how it is. I mean, Lamar had to eventually win. So each of us are going to be picking our big week three game to watch out for. And 
why you should tune in. So I think, Ben, I'll have you start here first because you got the obvious one. Let's hear yours. All right, yeah, like you mentioned, the obvious one, my favorite game of the weekend, just if you look at the slate, this game has every opportunity to be fantastic. It is the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a 3.25 p.m. game. Everyone out there will get to listen to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford duel each other for three hours. Tampa Bay is favored by a point and a half in this one. I think Tampa Bay wins. I'll give you a couple reasons why. Tampa Bay is absolutely rolling on offense. Tom Brady continues to use every single weapon. That being said, Rams offense as well as look fantastic. Stafford and Cooper Cup have a legit star connection. They have moved up and down the field. Uh, I know fantasy managers aren't that fantasy managers that Robert Woods aren't as happy about that. <laughs> but either way, that both offenses in this game are simply fantastic. Here's my three things that will happen in this game. Rob Gronkowski catches another touchdown and continues his dominance. Year two in this system with Brady, they are locked in. They look like there's no slowing down. Gronk already has four touchdowns. I think he catches his fifth in this one and is a part of a big offensive performance in Tampa Bay. Number two, I just talked about Robert Woods. He scores twice. He has his best game of the season so far. He gets into the action against a Tampa Bay secondary that is kind of vulnerable. If you look at the, the very few holes on this Tampa Bay roster, secondary is probably one of them when you look mm-hmm. at the cornerbacks. So Robert Woods, I think, will have a good game. Tampa Bay will put a lot of focus on Cooper Cup because he's been fantastic, rightfully so. Robert Woods plays a really nice game, gets a goal in Magic Stafford. Number three, Tom Brady shreds this Rams defense. Tom Brady Ooh. will continue his fantastic start. I know the Rams defense is fantastic, but Tom Brady, man, he looks so good good he is going Tom Brady is going to score a bunch of touchdowns on this Ram defense this may seem much high scoring than it, than, than it should be I have the Bucks winning 31 to 27 you would not think with these two great defenses but I love Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford so far this season they both put 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 uh, plenty of stats all over the second defenses and then one last thing I want to mention uh, Tom Brady's about 500 yards away from that all-time passing yards record. He's not going to break it this weekend because he'd have to go insane. But how perfect is it that he will have a shot next week to break it in Foxborough? I th- I, it cannot get any better than that. That is a story. I would write that, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, I got to admit, that is something that I'm going to have to see. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers shredding the Los Angeles Rams passing defense. I don't think the running game for either team is going to get going because nope. it's just not going to work this weekend. But Tom Brady don't care. He got plenty of I receivers. Mean, the, the Buccaneers leading rushers for net with 84 rushing yards. Yeah, see, it's not. They and, don't care. They yep. got plenty of passing offense, so they don't really care. Yep. Um, but I will mention this. So fly is so fly. You're going to see that in February. You will see that. So. Let's talk about my game. Um, It is the Chicago Bears visiting the Cleveland Browns. Now, why is that something anyone should uh, tune in if you're not a Bears fan? That's a good question. The last time the Bears and the Browns met, any Bears fan will remember this, was Christmas Eve of 2017 when the Browns went, where they were 0-15. Hugh Jackson was the coach. I think the Browns have changed a lot since then. If you don't agree, then there's something really wrong with you. (laughs) Um, As an injury report as of right now, Odell Beckham Jr. will be playing this Sunday. He will be playing. Jarvis Landry will not be playing. And the reason why I think the Bears are actually getting a favor from the Browns this weekend is because OBJ has not played over a year. Jarvis Landry, who who is one of the best receivers on that team, is out. So that is going to be a big problem in practice, or excuse me, limited. uh, uh, Clowney was limited. He was limited. Shocker. 
that's going to be interesting. Um, Cochlin, the tackle, he was out with a knee, so that's going to be a problem. And then JOK, the knee, so that's also another one. Um, but I will mention this. The Bears are having an interesting time with Eddie Goldman, the nose tackle. It's a bit interesting to be seeing what I am experiencing with that. Danny Trevathan is still out on IR, so we'll see what goes on with that. Um, but I will say this. Robert Quinn had a good game last weekend. That is the first time as a fan and as an analyst that I have actually said that publicly because Robert Quinn, ever since becoming a Bear, has been god-awful. I will say this, though, in terms of the Browns. They are 29th in pass play percentage. So that will give Justin Fields a little opportunity because, or excuse me, 29th in defending, excuse me, the pass offense. Excuse me, I said that wrong. They are a run first team, which is obvious. You got Nick Chubb and you got Kareem Hunt, probably the best running back tandem in the league, I would say. And so you would think Tampa is, but it's not. Um, But you would think the Bears' defense against the rush has been pretty good thus far. And I think they're going to continue that this weekend. I think Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, I feel like all of them are going to make some noise. Eddie Jackson, if he continues what he did last weekend, he's going to, they're going to get to the running back, and they're going to just do some chew-out football. And Baker Mayfield is going to have to take a step up this weekend because um, they are 21st in points allowed, that defense, and they're 14th in yards allowed. So 21st in points. They're also one of the... Worst third down uh, defenses, which is good news for Justin Fields because he can utilize his mobility. And this weekend, this game is going to be closer than most think. I really do. I believe in Justin Fields. I think he's going to have his rookie moments this weekend. He is a rookie. Let's not get ridiculous. Him going off for 300 yards, that's not going to happen. He will have the moments. The offensive line is still trash, so it's not going to change any moment anytime soon. But I will I will say this. Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney are going to have some hectic weeks. They will have a good, good Sunday. I expect them to be breaking out this weekend. They have been quite stagnant the first two games, and that's because of Matt Nagy's play calling, which also is going to determine this game because there are times when Matt Nagy calls a play, and I am trying to figure out why he called it. The RPO within this offense is not going to work. The reason it's not going to work is because how bad the offensive line is. So unless Cole Komet can be one of the best blockers on this team, it won't work. And especially with Jimmy Graham, I don't know what's going on with him. He has definitely uh, dig- uh, regressed a little bit in terms of blocking, which I have seen. The defense, I expect them to continue with their dominance. Roquan Smith, Jalen uh, Johnson, obviously they're not getting the three turnovers again in a pick six. That's not going to happen again. But I think they will pick Mayfield off one time. I really do. And they're going to put a lot of pressure on that Browns O-line if Conklin is out which is going to be interesting because if he's out, that O-line just all of a sudden got weaker. And with uh, weapons in terms of Cleveland's offense, besides the running game, OBJ hasn't played Owen over a year. Peoples-Jones is going to have to step up, which he's not a joke. He could play. Austin Hooper, which will be probably your best target this weekend because OBJ hasn't played in forever. And then Rashad Higgins. So... In terms of looking at that, and in terms of looking at the Bears' offense in terms of weapons, the Bears actually have better weapons, in my opinion, and they have a better defense, in my opinion. So if Justin Fields can minimize mistakes 
and he can actually play, I would say, an average game. I think the Bears actually have a legitimate shot at making this game close. I will say, though, they will lose, but I do not think they're going to get crushed. Yeah, I want to say real quick, I know Ryan wants to get to his game. Bears don't get crushed in this one. There's something to be said. If you're just looking at a paper, like, oh, swap Jarvis Landry, Frodo Beckham, bada-bing, bada-boom. You're going from Landry and Baker, who have practiced all offseason together. Oh, Landry hasn't been hurt, and they've gotten in sync. To Odo and Baker, who haven't, I would assume, have not practiced together because Odo's been hurt and held out of practice. So there is not going to be the same type of chemistry there. It's going to be tough for them to get on the same page, especially he's going to be guarded by, like you said, Jalen Johnson's been fantastic. So it's not just a one-for-one swap. It's going to take a few weeks for them to get it working together. That hurts Cleveland a lot. I still think Cleveland wins this one. Sorry to the Bears fans. But I, de- I think, I think uh, Bears cover the 7.5-point spread. I can see that. Yeah, that's fair. Well, this is my favorite part of the show, gentlemen. Obviously, we got Ben giving some bold predictions in a Buccaneers and Rams game that he thinks is going to be high scoring. Who knows? And obviously, we got Lucas pick with the Justin Fields start going up in Cleveland against the Browns. And obviously, I'm going to to stay with Ben on this one. I think this game's going to be very close as well. But the game I have is none other than the Sunday night primetime game between the Green Bay Packers going to face the San Francisco 49ers out there in California. Now, the 49ers and Packers have played nine times, and the last six have been won by the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, the 49ers, 2-0 this year, looking mighty dang good on both sides of the ball. Unfortunately for their rushing, they have a lot of injuries there. But they have Debo Sweeney, who's been doing uh, very, very good for them. And uh, I like what Ben said with the three predictions. So I'll give you I'll give you mine. I think the 49ers do score a rushing touchdown. Uh, as a Packers fan, I was worried for this season. Quite honestly, could still be worried because the defense just doesn't know how to play defense in the first half of football games, apparently. But I think if the Packers are going to want to win this game, they have to play a full game of defense. And it can't just be the second half game where they play defense. It has to be the full game. Are the Packers truly back? We'll find out in this game. Clearly, the Rodgers to Devontae Adams, that didn't go away. That's finding its way. But the thing that I'm worried about is Aaron Rodgers' age. I know that you would think, how is that even scary? The man does not look like himself. I'm sorry. And I'm not sure if it's because he doesn't want to play for the Packers. I'm not sure if it's just because he wants to retire. But man, if you watched that game last weekend, actually last week because it was Monday, well, you would know that my favorite player, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, got the ball thrown to him over four times, over his head every time. Aaron Rodgers, you got to help me out. I got him on fantasy, man. Come on. I, I need those points. But anyways, so this is the true game between are the Packers back and are the 49ers the real as it, real as real gets. Here's something that I think is going to be exciting. The first home game for the 49ers. So are they going to still be as good as they are at home, or are they just going to be great on the road this year? Obviously, 2-0 and comes from those two wins on the road. But if the Packers are truly back, I think that they win this game. It's the last ride for Packers. It's the last chance for Aaron Rodgers to beat this team unless, unless they face off in the playoffs, obviously, which we don't know is going to happen or not. But if the Packers are truly back, that means Devontae Adams is going to get two touchdowns. That means Aaron Jones is going to run the ball really well like he did last game. And if the Packers are truly back, Aaron Rodgers will not be missing his throws to Marquez Valdez-Scanling down the field I think the Packers can win this one 28-21. The reason I'm going with the, kind of a low-scoring game is because the 49ers have been dropping the score points lately, obviously scoring 44 against the Lions, then only 17 against the Eagles, so I think that they'll get they'll be good in that 20-point margin for Sunday night. Sunday night's going to be a good one. And you know what, guys? I'll be waiting all day for Sunday night. 
All right. Well, I'll say well this. I like the. I like that. It, it, it gives some confidence. Um, but I will say this. Um, I am still confused as to why the Packers fired their defensive coordinator from last year. They weren't bad. In fact, they were actually a very good defense. Now they just look like garbage. Yeah. And, and in Aaron Rodgers, I have I actually watched some of the game last week because I knew the one against the Saints. That was that was some some weird thing. I know that's not who Aaron Rodgers is, but. It almost looks like he doesn't just want to be there. Yeah, that's the thing. I know he's not a bad quarterback. That sounds ridiculous if some if someone says that. But it, he doesn't look like he wants to be there. He doesn't look like his true self. Obviously, he was gone all off season doing whatever he had to do. That's none of my business to get into. Um, the thing is, in terms of the 49ers, good Lord, are they all fiberglass? I mean, every single week on ESPN, I think I'm reading an injury regarding the 49ers. <laughs> um, I feel like this is the game that George Kittle is going to break out. He has yet to break out, and I think this is the game. Um, Jimmy G has actually played very well. I actually like that he's actually back as of right now, and he's actually doing a great job. In a matter of fact... Um, when they play the Eagles in Week One, let's people are forgetting how good the Eagles' defense actually is. It is actually a good defense. People see they're in the NFC least and they assume it's not a good defense. It's actually a good defense. It's just that the offense is questionable because you got Jalen Hurts and you got an offense questionable offensive line. So that's a problem. But in my opinion, the Packers will make they will win this closely. It's going to be close. I feel like it's going to be like 2017. It's going to be a low game scoring affair. But I will say, this game can go either way because will Aaron Rodgers look like he wants to be there? Will he return to his MVP form, or will he just play average while Jimmy G just stuns the Packers' defense? Those are things to be looking for because this can go either way. Yep, totally agree. I, I also am on the train that it's going to be a low-scoring game. I've, I'm honestly, for a 2-0-49ers team, I'm not insanely high as them because like you said, even though it's against a good Philly defense last week, San Francisco has not overly impressed me against two teams that they, they easily should win. So I, I this is going to be a big test. You talked as big of a test for the Packers is, right? I think it's, it's just as big of a test for the 49ers because is this team a legit threat in the West? Can they compete against the big boy quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford? Uh, we've seen we've seen the, the 49ers play well against Aaron Rodgers uh, in the playoffs few years ago, games like that. Uh, but we've all seen them lay duds, so I, I think it's a huge game for the 49ers. I, I like the around a 20 to 17 ish score uh, as well. I'm going to take the Packers, but I that is like 51 49 in favor of the Packers. Yeah, wow. no, I, I'm excited okay. for the game, and I really hope Close. that this is the game. You said George Kittle is going to get going. I really hope this is the game Randall Cobb gets going. I think that the oh, Rodgers yeah, right. and Cobb situation has been nice. He had about I think he had two or three receptions last weekend, mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that I really like is Aaron Rodgers. And you talk about maybe he doesn't want to be a Packer. At the end of the game, at the end of the Lions game, he was smiling. He was very happy. He was getting guys like Robert Tanya and obviously Randall Cobb, guys like that into the game. I'm really hoping, though, that the Rodgers to Cobb really gets going here uh, in this game because obviously when they signed Randall Cobb, everyone thought that, oh, he, this is going to be great because he's going to have, like he did in like 2000, I believe it was like 18 or something when he was with the Packers. Right. But I'm really excited for the game, man. I'm really happy that you guys both chose the Packers because I thought for sure that you were not going to choose the Packers. But I like it's this last go around for Aaron Rodgers. So come on, last chance. You, you got to beat him this time. All right. All right. Well, that will conclude our show today. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1. Guys, thanks for. 
being so great hosts today, and we will see you all next Friday. This is Brent of the band Ramona Falls, and you're listening to KCOU, Columbia, 88.1. K. C. O. U. Yeah. I visited Russia. I started 